the quantum mechanics. Yes, we're the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for believers, doubters, and everyone in between. And Ben, I was um, thinking back about uh, an old episode that we did this week, and it was sparked uh, by. I don't know if you've seen, but on Netflix there is a new series called The Watcher. The Watcher, yes. Yeah, we covered it, didn't we, in the Paranormal Mysterious Letters Yeah, dead, I yeah. think it was called Deadly Letters. It Deadly was Letters, pro- Yeah, it, it was yeah. maybe a year or so ago, so worth going back and checking that out. Maybe we'll put a link in the, in the show notes and description if people want to check that out. I watched it because I was like, oh yeah, we did this story on the podcast. Uh, obviously starts with the uh, traditional line of based on a true story. Yeah, it, <laughs> I, I hear it's very much based. <laughs> yes, that, that saying is doing a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> right. I mean, it does feature the letters, which as we know when we did the Deadly Letters podcast, um, you know, those letters were there and they were chilling. Apart from that, it then it kind it was weird. It turns into a kind of midsummer night murders who done it of who the watcher is with a cast of neighbours who are just so bizarre it's unbelievable. And there are at least I'm not going to do any spoilers, but there are at least two or three bits in it that have got more holes than a Swiss cheese, and you're kind of going, <laughs> really, you know, there's. Uh, there's one bit where they can't identify someone and you're like, well, couldn't you just get their driving licence? <laughs> and it, there's this long, convoluted story about how they've managed to disappear. So I kind of... Well, the more I watched it, the more I got frustrated. The first episode was good. But yes, apart from the content of the letters, there's probably not much that is based on the true story. Yeah, the... I I have I'm haven't watched it yet. I am going to watch it. We're going to settle down and give it a go. I'm not sure how it ends, but in the true story, there isn't really a good way of getting out of it because they never find out who it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Um, yeah. Well, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but yes, it's um, uh, frustrating. I would say. And, and the thing is, I, I kind of see why they went down that road because I think we said it when we did the podcast. It's like. Wow, apart from the weirdness of the letters and the kind of detail that's in those letters, there, there, there is that frustration that you, they have no idea who's doing this thing. And I, unlike the TV series, there, I don't think there is even a list of suspects, right? No, I don't think so. I think if I recall from the story, they had a couple of ideas and I think the police investigated a couple of different avenues, but none of them... Um, came to fruition because they weren't this is the thing they weren't being put through the front door they were being mailed yeah. from all over the United States yeah. so I don't know you know there's a part of me which thinks I think it might have just been a really horrible prank I mean like yeah it's the sort of thing that drunk and college kids might get up to perhaps 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 I don't know yeah well um, check it out The Watcher but um I would suggest you go back and listen to our episode, the Deadly Letters episode, before you watch it, because we do cover the true story in there. So might give you a nice background before you watch the uh, the more fictionalised version of the tale. Yeah. 
yeah definitely do that but you know um yeah i guess uh, you gotta get you gotta get your stories from somewhere um, yeah. if you're trying to um, sell subscriptions at quite a high value but anyway so you now need segue from the watcher into your episode then. well don't panic because i have Ooh. and i can oh because literally my segue is the word panic and <laughs> that is because um somebody told me this week don't panic and it just i thought i bet i wonder if that word has anything to do with the god pan turns out it absolutely does have oh, to do wow. with the word okay. with the god pan so i started off doing some research into pan and then i went into more nature spirits i found what i can only describe as a hilarious book about nature spirits and then it has an interesting conclusion so sort of let's let's set off because when i um when i started thinking about pan i thought well i don't really know very much about him it the entity that is except i know that um i had an encounter with something really weird in the wild once and somebody said to me about two years later i bet that's what it was but i'm not entirely convinced but i i started off um exploring a book which actually i'm not going to delve into but it is worth mentioning there's one by uh, and it's probably quite famous if you're into this sort of thing it's called encounters with pan and the elemental kingdom by r ogilvy crombie and he published this book in 19 well it was in the mid 70s he recorded these encounters between 1972 and 1974 and he actually started a movement off the back of these encounters, which is um, is still going now. But his book is all very... It's um, uh, all how, about how we should respect nature and it's vitally important to work together with the natural realm and harmony and blah de blah de blah de blah And I thought, well, that all sounds very similar to what aliens were telling... Um, abductees in the 60s and 70s even right. in the 50s and so i started going on a little bit of a uh, a journey on that but before i do i thought pan i hadn't heard of pan being like a nice kind of creature i thought he was a trickster and um just for fun i had a little look on reddit you'll find um, there's a thread on Reddit about people who've encountered can, uh, Pan. And um, <laughs> the one that uh, st- struck me was um, somebody that the direct quote is, honestly, the one supernatural encounter I've had was a figure I can only describe as a humanoid with darker pigmented skin on its shoulders and a slightly darker chest. Sorry, a slightly lighter chest, hairy shoulders and arms and the head of a goat um, with dark brown black fur. His horns making him slightly taller than myself. I'm about five foot nine. He was there for a second, right behind me in the mirror, in the blink of an eye. It was gone, um, but not before it had given the um, Baphomet hand gesture, which, um, you know, is sort of associated with both good and bad things. I think that was a highly, highly skilled, well, not skilled, <laughs> I think that was a high, highly imagined piece of encounter there just so i'm clear is is pan you mentioned this kind of goat-like head is is that is that is that a thing yeah yeah so he has um he has a goat a goat head and a human body a bit bit like a fawn really right right right. um goat legs um a human torso 
And, well, some people say that um, he has a human face. It's often painted sometimes as a human face. But it, it depends from which realm of the um, Pantheon, um, Pantheon, there Pan- we go. Pantheon. Yeah, that, uh, um, that you come from. But he's essentially a Greek god and panic because it's, it's this overwhelming sense of of unease and fear that you get when you're in his presence. And he is supposed to entice you into doing something which you think you might want to do. And then it turns out to be too fearful. You know, you're too fearful to do it. And it's usually kind of disgusting, horrible um, sex things and not great. Although he did invent the pan pipes. Well, yeah, apparently sw- swings and roundabouts, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, some might say that is an act of pure evil, inventing the panpipes. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> anyone that's been in an Indian restaurant here listening to the panpipes rendition of UB40, I'm the one in 10, absolutely knows that it is an evil thing. Oh, that is, that's pure evil. Um, but then I, I, began to think about nature spirits and nature spirits aren't normally associated with particular good or particular evil but we don't it's true have a a particular way of um associating with them in modern times i think we mentioned before i think the closest that i could point to is the fact that we it, well in in the west anyway and in this country you might touch wood which is yeah. um an invocation of um, asking the, the wood spirits um, to be on your side. But then I found this really bizarre and peculiar and fascinating book. Um, and it's a, a lot of the names in this, it's Germanic, but it's called Native, uh, no, sorry, Nature Spirits and What They Say by Verona Steel Van Holstein. I've been practising that on the car on the way over. I'll tell you what, the Nature Spirit crowd, they've got great names for their authors, haven't they? They, they have, well, the Nature Spirits themselves have great names yeah. as well. But this is an interview. Basically, the, the whole book is an interview with this woman who says that she's been interacting with Nature Spirits for most of her life and she didn't even know that other people didn't do it. It became that natural for her. Right. And then it descends into individual interviews with a number of the nature spirits in her house, which are... What a brilliant idea for a book. It, 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 right, right. And I can't help thinking that this was... Because there's such a scope in here to create, you know, a cartoon series with all yeah. of these things. I can't help thinking it is um, a delightful work of fiction, and I will tell you why later. But it's presented quite honestly, and I know this woman did exist, so I'm. It's possible. It's possible that it's real, but some of the, th- the things that come out of it are kind of yeah, particularly particularly weird. But it, she sort of starts off because the 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 person doing the interviewing, um, you know how how on earth did you come to know that you were able to speak to these spirits and like i say she said well you know i just spoke to them every day um and in fact i used to schedule play sessions that, uh, with them in the woods i just used to go down there and they were just as real to me as anybody else and i didn't know other people couldn't see them and i guess her parents just thought she had imaginary friends that that does kind of raise the question that do uh, nature spirits have their own diaries <laughs> well <laughs> Well, that's a very good point. How do you schedule... How do you schedule a meeting with a nature spirit? 
how do you even schedule an interview with a nature spirit? That's true, yeah. Um, but she loses contact with them, she says, um, and it's largely, she puts it down to working in computers. She, so she, um, after she leaves university, she goes through a number of jobs, and she says that her interaction with them started to fall away when she was so connected with technology. And I think we've heard that before. It's the way it changes the way... I guess that we observe the world and it it's what she's suggesting is that it makes these nature spirits invisible to her. And what well, like some kind of punishment for, for, or they're like, oh, we're not messing with that technology. Well, now, now you're on TikTok, forget it. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm crossing right. you out of my diary. Well, I, I think the suggestion is that if your life is all around because working with computers is very materialistic, isn't it? It's it's zeros and ones, it's coding. Yeah. And from what I can tell, she was on that that very technical side of it. She wasn't using them to, you know, create works of art or anything. She was she was using them to, you know, do banking systems and stuff. We're talking, you know, in the 80s. Um, so it's very procedural, yeah. logical work. And if you're using that side of your brain... The implication, again, is what she's saying is you, you lose the ability to speak to these spirits. But they come back to her about eight years later. She finds herself pregnant and she moves into a water mill. And this water mill is, is huge. It is somewhat um, dilapidated. But she's there with her parents-in-law and... Her dad, her, her, her father-in-law, passes away very quickly after moving in. And the mother-in-law, she says, couldn't cope. So she and her husband, they just decide to move in and take care of the mill. And it's huge. It's, it's not just a water mill. It's this huge old house. It's an operational or semi-operational homestead. And like I say, yeah, she's got animals, she's got fields. This is a big piece of work. So this becomes her job. And then she decides that she can begin to, well, she doesn't decide. She realises that she can begin to see these spirits again. And the first spirit that sort of, I'm not sure she would describe it as introduces himself, but comes forward, is called Miller. And she says she hadn't even realised for quite some time the significance of him calling himself Miller in a watermill. But right. so so I mean maybe you'll get onto this, but in terms of the name, Miller is like his personal name, or is it more the type? You know, like Pan is a type. It's it's his personal name. Right. And so they all do have personal names, or largely they have personal names. But the ones that they use with her are sort of, I wouldn't say anglicised, but they're modified so that humans can understand them because their right. names in the spirit world are completely incomprehensible to us, which yeah. is which is a really interesting... You know, that's, that's, that's sort of uh, convenient, isn't it? Um, Woodland wilf. Yeah, yes, that's right. So she says there, there is a hierarchy with these spirits and in her house... Miller is the head of all the house beings in the house. 
So he has a hierarchy and then he has all of his subordinates. And he even has like um, first officers and deputies and, um, you know, it's it's set up like um, an organisation. And Miller says that they have to do what he instructs them to do. And then he goes on to say, but it's not just me, there's... The green ones, for example, they're the plant beings and there's a hierarchy of the plant spirits as well. In fact, we'll come on to find out that there's a hierarchy of many, many different sorts of being that are around the house. And Miller's overall job is to make sure that this house stands because in in the way that he describes it, he is there because the house is there. So he needs to keep this place going. So he's the one who he not only um, works with all of his hierarchy to do house spirit things, but he brings to attention work that needs to be done to make sure that the house goes on. And this is kind of where we start to understand that these spirits are really upset that we don't, as humans, talk to them anymore because they need to interact with us to make their world work and so poor miller has been there for years being completely ignored (laughs) and this house is like creaking and falling apart at the seams and miller is doing his damnedest to bring attention to what needs to be done and nobody is listening to him and so when he finds someone in the house that starts to listen to him I wouldn't say he's pleased because we'll come on to discover that they don't really have emotions, but suddenly he can start working properly as a, as a nature spirit again. He's reminded me of um, the robot in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, Marvin. <laughs> Marvin, yeah. Oh, I've spent my life making this mill work. Nobody even talks to me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, he spends, I think, like half a m- million years parking cars at the restaurant at the end of the universe. Yeah, yeah. That's Miller. He's spent as long as he has been at that house trying to make sure that every piece of wood is properly protected every everything works as it should and he's not on his own because she says to him how many nature spirits are in this house 16743 that's very specific and that's leaving the really small ones out <laughs> well they don't count so uh, is there an implication by what you're saying that every house has these things and we either we don't really interact with them yes so this house that we're sitting in now there are all these could be thousands of nature spirits that i'm completely ignoring and are really peeved about the whole thing yes that's true but there's a warning here that they are leaving us and that's because we're ignoring them and they're putting more and more uh, focus on well just sort of handing their duties over to humans but because we don't understand what their duties are and we have no ability to understand the relationship between for example a house and the rest of the nature then that's why things are going very badly wrong and you know they're literally just walking out going sod it can't do this anymore because the whole point about miller is that he has a relationship with you know the the tomato spirit so the tomatoes in the garden are working in concert with miller's team to create you know the a fully working homestead that's what they're doing so hold on i'm sorry i'm gonna have to obsess about tomato spirits for a second 
Are tomato spirits the actual tomatoes, or do they look after the tomatoes? Are we eating them? Is what I'm. No, no, about. no. They look after the tomatoes. No, no, no. And that it, it's very hard to understand because there are there are spirits that they are an essence of that thing, but they're not. And they try to explain this to us. So maybe the an interesting way of talking about it is. Uh, he talks about the elemental spirits. So there are, there are elemental spirits all around the house. So there's mineral, water, air, fire. And in relationship to the house spirits, he says they're very similar to human beings. And at the same time, they're closer to the gnomes. The gnomes, okay? okay. Bear that in <laughs> mind. The gnomes will come into this. <laughs> right, okay. Um, on the other hand, when you approach a fire being, that's a completely different kind of being fire beings also have a hierarchy on a small scale the being of a candle flame and on the large scale the being of a house fire or even of a volcano so so sometimes they are the thing and sometimes they are related to that thing so well i'm now i'm wondering how did miller become like head of the house as as is it a democracy? Did he have to fight his way to the top? What? How does it work? Do no, we get into that? No, well, in a way, it's never clear, but <laughs> he he is formed in a wood that then becomes part of the house. Right. And he kind of assumes the 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 role. But the, for example, like the, the the there's there's a water spirit that lives in the um in the water mill. And um, and now it's a bit like Harry Potter. They that this is a Nix. We never really get into the detail of what a Nix is, what a gnome is. We're sort of expected largely to know. But he's called the Watery One. Um, his name is Ekovit, but he has a he also has a Watery One name, but it's too difficult for humans to pronounce. Right. And he has his focus on the house, but he is. Uh, he comes from the river, river Elbe. He's a spirit active on a higher level whose sphere of activity extends now and again into the North Sea. Uh, <laughs> and he has countless helpers. And she goes on to... Well, Miller goes on to explain to her that in the case of the stone beings, it's similar. But here you have to differentiate again between sand and stone beings. Sand actually consists of small stones. Nevertheless, sand is something different from a large stone. Like we know this, it, and we sort of get into these yeah, circular duh. conversations. <laughs> I, I also sense there could be a bit of angst between Miller and the water spirit. Because yeah, if you were in a water mill, you'd think, right, well, that's my job, right? I'm top dog here. So I, I wonder if there's a bit of a power struggle going on as well. Well, his... His empire only extends as far as the actual structure of the house. Well, and the North Sea. No, no, that's the watery one. Oh, the water. Oh, the, I see. The I water, see. The, the water, watery one. Right. So the watery one's happier because he's got he's got dominion over more than just the house. He, well, he's got the stream. Yeah. Okay. But sometimes goes. I'll oh, sort it. I'll do something in the North Sea. Right. Whereas Miller, purely he, the house. He's he's purely the house. Right. Purely the house. Right. And. So the interviewer who is talking to the woman, so if you imagine, <laughs> there's a lot of voices in here. The interviewer who is talking to the woman who is talking to Miller, who is making all of these descriptions, right. he says, well, look, can you tell me then, is there like a good or an evil? Is this really like Harry Potter? Is a Nyx 
a bad thing and sometimes it will cause a flood or a fire being sometimes it will cause the house to um burn down and um miller says well in this context the categories of good and evil are absurd and he goes on to say there are actually six different categories of nature spirits so there are those that are helpful towards humans those are the ones who are becoming particularly cross at the moment with disgruntled with our lack of um interaction with them and appreciation by the sounds of it there are those who are harmful towards humans there are beings who are committed to growth there are beings who are committed to decay there are beings entrusted with protection and there are beings entrusted with destruction now you might think if you were a being who's committed to decay that's a bad thing but in the context of this, it's not because without the beings that are committed to decay, yeah. the, the leaves wouldn't break down yeah. and the fish heads wouldn't rot. So you need those spirits to work on those things. Is the leader of those called Mulch? <laughs> That's Mr. Mulch to you. Um, and so she, in the, in the context of all of that he says well miller are you scared of anyone and he says well yeah i am i'm scared stiff of the higher darker beings fear also exists for these beings so he sort of says yeah they're scared of stuff as well and how spirits are subject to attacks which miller isn't able to withstand so he has to get together with other beings and in this respect it's good that different beings will have their focus here in the watermill that's what he's saying so if they need to fend off a particularly powerful fire spirit he has to get together with his nixes and his tomato beings and stuff and stop this fire being taken over the house but it's not doing it because he wants to kill people or be a house he's doing it because that's what it does. The same reason a fox eats a rabbit. It's just what it does. Yeah, yeah. All those tomato beings are completely bloody useless in a fight, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on the interview, uh, um, just so I'm clear, so you've got uh, the woman who is living in the house. Yes. You've got the interviewer who's interviewing the woman and interviewing the spirits. Is the interviewer directly talking to the spirits and seeing them or is it all going through the woman who's in the house again it is unclear it's not necessarily clear i think she is the interpreter in this case because once we start getting into the actual conversations with the spirits themselves i don't think miller is presenting himself to the interviewer because uh well they can't see him is there a, so there's no description of what Miller looks like? No. Interestingly not. Interestingly not. But I've got a vision in my head of what the tomato spirits look like. <laughs> <laughs> Very red-faced. <laughs> well, it's funny you make a joke because uh, Miller says they're always in the mood for a joke. Oh. I put on, put on the little German accent. He's always in the mood for a joke. <laughs> but... Um, 
this humour doesn't always correspond to human morality. So, for example, some of them find it very funny when a milk jug falls on someone's foot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we ourselves do not find it that funny, but the nature spirits will laugh themselves silly over it. Well, I tell you what, if you've ever watched any fail army, I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I just got this this thing of like Miller and his gang are there, like trying to hold a plank up. Someone drops a milk thing, and all the tomato spirits are pissing themselves. <laughs> And he's like, oh, there's oh, it go again. The milk spirits are not pleased <laughs> with that, though. Um, so we've kind of got this idea that they they don't have a morality which connects to our sense of it. It's a different thing. But there are some parts of their nature which make them seem human, right. like um, humour and things like that. I'm kind of also, what keeps going, I mean, I know you've referenced Harry Potter a couple of times, but um, I keep thinking of the house elves in Harry Potter. It seems like that similar similar job, right? It, yeah, it is a similar job. And I can't help thinking that she probably got some ideas yeah. from this. I mean, house elves aren't necessarily like other people had come up with the idea of house elves, but house elves connected to gnomes. Gnomes appear to play a part in this. I think... It's all sort of, they're, they're all coming from that same place. Yeah. Um, so why, why, he's asked, why is it so dangerous that we've lo- lost contact with the nature spirits? And, and he, just, he answers quite bluntly. He says, um, the forces of evil, they don't want any sort of information about the spiritual world to, meet hu- to uh, reach humans' awareness because humans are, who are ignorant are far easier to control than those who aren't. The nature spirits taking part in our project want to pass on this information. And above all, they want to get to know their new masters. So this is this makes me think of like Dobby. Yeah. So these these guys really want the humans to take control and be their masters. But the forces of evil, whoever they may be, don't want us to do that with them because then, you know, we have no power to, for example, perhaps stop a house fire or do much worse. Do You know, they could do much worse things. Yeah. And <laughs> Paul Miller says, sometimes I even cry. Oh. He's he's very upset about this. Um, well, he is a water spirit, isn't he? No, no, no. Miller, Miller is, is a, oh, is sorry, a wood I'm spirit. Sorry, I'm getting confused. Yeah, He's a yeah. wood spirit. Oh yeah. Um, but does, they, does he have to ask a water spirit to be able to cry? Is a question. Now, now that's a very. In, I hadn't thought of that question. <laughs> that's very. That's very. That's very interesting. So, how do we get closer back to them? Because obviously, that's the main question. Is like if we go, if we're pulling so far away, what? What can we do? And he's quite blunt. He says, by being alive and shaping the future, if you really want to understand this, then you have to meditate very intensively, culminating the painful experience that you have to call conscious human consciousness into question. For the human being only experiences himself in space and time. He has an object-based and limited awareness with which he experiences a selective earthly present. But nature spirits don't live in the time. They live in a continuous spiritual present. And this is open to the eternal. Oh, take a break for a second. <laughs> if you want to picture that co- concretely, it's difficult. Past, present and future always remain in balance. So what he's saying is that we are 
trolling along the simple timeline we look behind us we see things that have happened before we look ahead we try to imagine things that are happening up front what he is saying is that what we do now influences the past he is like the doc mm. brown right. explanation of, of nature spirits here and the worse that we are the worse that the situation is going to become because we're removing their influence from the past as well as from the future. And when he starts criticising human consciousness, he's saying we have moved so far away from where we used to be as a species that we can no longer comprehend that. So we have created a new set of consciousness um, paradigms for ourselves. And it's at this point you start thinking, well, this wouldn't have made a great children's book because this is really difficult to explain. Um, but he says, you know, if you if you start to see things the way I see things, you will start to get a feeling for time and eternity. And he points out that humans couldn't exist at all without the nature spirits and the entire earth itself would perish without their working. So this is like quite concerning well i keep thinking um i mean if they want us to be their masters that that seems to be you know i keep thinking of that line in aliens why don't we put them in charge (laughs) (laughs) well because they seem to know what's going on more than we do yeah well it's interesting that perhaps well, what he is definitely suggesting is that we are symbiotic beings yeah. <laughs> and we are losing that symbiosis. So I suppose if I was to put it in uh, something that my uh, linear human consciousness can imagine, it's like those sharks with the cleaner wrasse around them yeah. who suddenly decide to eat Big Macs and there's nothing for the cleaner wrasse yeah. to do. So they go off and die but the diet of Big Macs will kill the sharks and eventually they've destroyed their entire ecosystem. What he's basically saying here is, if you don't change the way you think and start working with nature spirits, you will perish because you need the nature spirits, but they need you and they need you to guide them on the particular, uh, I guess, line of reality that we're working in. And this all becomes very, very heavy and you start... I started thinking, well, goodness, this this does sound like this is um, a sort of a portent of disaster. And, you know, I can understand this probably makes a lot of sense. I imagine there's some, you know, spiritual people who would say, well, yes, that's why we meditate. We want to get closer to whatever it is, whatever you label that God or whatever. I mean, it seems like Miller's name is just labeled that so that he can be understood. But you start thinking, well, maybe some people have got a point and we should be respecting nature more. And that's until I read the interviews with them. And they're all bunch of twats <laughs> <laughs> oh you had me going there i was like oh yeah these are like these are like little spiritual woods and water greta thunbergs but no well it's not only is uh, like they seem like uppity things but I, i've i've pulled out this little extract with the watery <laughs> one there's also a deep level of <laughs> I'm sensing cult here and you'll see you'll see what I mean. Um and and this is <laughs> when you said who exactly is talking to these people the 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 name of the interviewer is a guy called Wolfgang. Right. And these things are written like you know 
when you the first probably media job any of us did was being asked to do something in the school magazine and you had to interview a visiting French teacher about buying breakfast in Paris when you were 12, right? And you do it in the line of conversation. You do, hello, Mr. Jackson. Hello. Nice to meet you. Please sit down. Um, You know, that. And you you do that. um, You write them down as a line, don't you? Yeah. Well, that's how he does it. And so the first line of the conversations with uh, the watery one, it's got Wolfgang and the watery one. Hello, Ekovit. He says, welcome. (laughs) What kind of a being are you, and where do you come from? I'm a Nix, and I've been living here since the last Ice Age, when the ancient river was formed. And it just goes on like that. It's just like, oh, well, how very lovely. Um, and, and, and then he starts talking about these things, which this is where my sirens came on, right? Because um, when he said, meet my friend Evian. <laughs> That's a good thing. No, he says... Um, Because it's so important for you humans, I can well remember the time when Christ was on the earth. And they go, oh, right. Okay. Okay. So have I, what have I got myself into here? And this suddenly becomes a mix of new age and born again Christian speak for a bit. But um, I'm not going to leave this this guy until... um, Which, Which doesn't seem very kind of nature spirit. It's nature spirit always seems more pagan to me. Well, not only is nature spirit more pagan, but you, we hit, we keep hitting on these Christian themes again and again. Yeah. And that made me feel uncomfortable with the story that was being told. It's either being overlaid by the interviewers kind of um i don't know prejudices or beliefs or these and and you'll see where i'm getting to these these spirits are not who they say they are that's that's what i'm thinking right but um i like there's a question about um where he can travel (laughs) he says i'm not a spring nymph i'm a nyx Therefore, oh, okay, you're not a spring nymph. I didn't think you were, but but (laughs) anyway. Um, Therefore, I'm not so bound in one place as a spring nymph. A spring nymph can't move away from the spring. The Nyx, on the other hand, can move around over larger areas. I always move along over water, and if it's very foggy, I can move over land. (laughs) So, okay, um, stop going on about spring nymphs. Um, He then says, one aspect of mine... Uh, I, uh, one aspect of mine can move with the clouds and the interviewer is like, he's sitting there peering over his glasses at this water spirit uh, what so you can travel over the desert as a cloud yes but it's no fun at all oh why not oh because it's too dry there there's no life there <laughs> and then the best line the best line in the interview with the water spirit um, interviewer I've heard you drink seaweed punch what does that mean Oh, that's a very nice drink, and it depends on the lunar cycle. Um, like, oh, okay. So we've gone from a, 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 a I guess, a lecture on the, the frail nature of human consciousness. To seaweed punch. To seaweed punch. And again, boom, we're straight back into Harry Potter land again. <laughs> and, the you know, there's no mention. You mentioned how does Miller cry if he hasn't got a water spirit around him to do that. How can you drink seaweed punch if you are 
Like, what does that mean? What does it, what does it, you know? What does it matter? Oh, anyway. Uh, are you sure this interviewer hasn't been liaising with the magic mushroom spirit? <laughs> um, the, ne- the next chapter, it, we're, speak- we're speaking to Kapuvu, the stone one. Oh. Again, good name for a stone one though, which does make me slightly suspicious because if uh, that's a great name, for the, I would think that was a stone one. Again, the interviewer gets into it brilliantly. Next, I'd like to speak to Kapavu, the stone one. Are you there? I'm always here. Hello, hello. What kind of a being are you, and what tasks do you have? <laughs> it's so like an interview with a French teacher. Um, I've been a stone, and I'll always have been a stone, depending on where you'll have had looked. If you shall have had problems with my use of verbs, I'll make the effort to have spoken more slowly. And this is like the way that this is written is like you know Yoda esque. Um, <laughs> Why do you speak in this curious mixture of tenses? It reminds me of an echo effect. Because it's necessary if you exist as matter. Matter has always been, otherwise it couldn't be. And I, oh my God, he's a right ignorant little prick. Like, honestly, he's just so supercilious. Um, and, and so, like, basically the interview is trying to get out of him. If you're a stone, like, I can understand a water spirit coming into existence after the last ice age. I can sort of get that. Yeah. Um, so he says, how does a stone being come into being or can a stone being come into being at all since it's always been there? And he just goes, I've always been here. <laughs> like, what? So you've never come into being. Never is a term in regards to actual matter which has no meaning. Has death always been there or will it always be there or one day will it have been no death no more? And we just go on like this, and <laughs> and until there's a bit where he he says, "How is a stone being connected to a physical stone?" And he just shouts, "I am the stone!" Like, right, I'm leaving that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leaving that's that one. There. Tough interview that one. <laughs> it is. It just becomes ridiculous, and there's more talk about uh, like gnomes and things like that. Um, What's your favourite Rolling Stones song? just to lighten it up a bit he might have like gone for that the next thing that he goes into is how these spirits come to life and like i thought because i'm not going to go through an interview with every one of these damn beings (laughs) a, a quite an interesting um point of view from from the airy one so he's questioning the airy one about how new beings come into life and the the interviewer says what effect do the evil thoughts of humans have in the spiritual world he says they produce evil beings every thought corresponds to a, a being we have contact with all beings which are produced and then when evil beings are produced we have stress expressing it in human terms every thought is a being what happens when a person mediates or meditates or prayers when he meditates he spiritually forms a tree when he prays he gets to speak with the spiritual world what else could happen like yeah all right then this is more propaganda right um and the interviewer says i thought the more light gets radiated through uh meditation or prayer and the airy one says in the channel is light and in the tree also produces light yes that's obvious and and so so basically 
it's a bit kung fu panda isn't it right yes yeah it really is it really is it's it's kind of um pigeon spirituality isn't yeah, it yeah yeah don't mention the pigeons. Don't bring them into it. <laughs> so this is this is my favourite. This is my favourite thing, because the interviewer keeps pushing him on this, and and this is this is really where my BS alarm started going off. Um, he says, when someone thinks about getting a ticket out of a ticket machine, then they create a ticket being, and all and that also goes for every absurd and false thought. Will these beings exist forever? They fade. If it's a ticket being, then it fades and does so in a relatively short amount of time and becomes a general thought mush, if I may be allowed to put it like that in your particular language. But important thoughts remain in existence much longer? Much longer. There are thoughts which are very old. What is the oldest thought? In the beginning was the word. And there you go, yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm now... Deep into this book, it's Wednesday, and it turns out I think I'm more convinced than ever. If in the beginning there was the word, does that make Terry Christian the Messiah? Oh, that is such a good thought. Maybe maybe everything started with the formation of Channel 4. Maybe that's yeah. what he means. And then Friday, yeah, one Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> um but then there's this question. So the, with the, the water spirits already told us that sometimes you can influence things as far as the North Sea, which is ridiculous, <laughs> as I thought. Showing off. Um, so he asks the, the, the airy one how far their influence can spread. And it's got to be far if you're an airy one, surely. Go anywhere you want, can't you? Well, he puts it in terms of um, the sun being. Beyond Pluto, there is another planet. We've also given it a name, which, however, isn't very nice, and that's Erebos. Our sphere of activity reaches as far as that. What kind of planet is Erebos? Erebos is very cold. It corresponds outwardly to the Earth. It's the first place where the alien will land. Right. right. So, sorry, the air spirits can travel through a vacuum. Well, no, he is he's now talking about the... Um, the it's all, this is all so confusing. He's talking about the limits of the sun being... Oh, the sun being all right. Oh, God, okay. keep up with the yeah, being. Sorry, that makes sense. <laughs> God, um, I was getting confused there. <laughs> now, th- this this next one is my favourite being of a whole lot. We've heard of the ticket being, yeah, or the ticket which ones. seems a bit boring to me. This is the paper being. Ah, yeah. What kind of a being are you? I'm patience. I'm the being who had to come into existence, had to come into existence when humans discovered paper. I carry your information, which you commit to paper. Do you know everything that's written down on every piece of paper? Yes, everything. And the interviewer says, good God, are you responsible for all the paper in the world? My higher aspect is yes. You therefore, you know the contents of every book. Yes, I also know the contents of every slip of paper, every note, every comic and so on. So when one considers everything that gets written, that must be horrendous. It is horrendous. You've said it. (laughs) But then, then he says, though, I also know the words of God on paper. And I, as you can see, like I, this is now like four o'clock on Wednesday before record. And I think, can I throw this out or should we just should we just look at this? But then I got towards the end and I, I realised that there's some good learnings in in here, which. I, but before you do that, I'm just wondering whether the paper spirit 
has number of helpers. Meet A4, A5. Post it. He's a little cheeky fella. <laughs> Post it. Post it. Yeah, he doesn't really say much, but he's, he gets to the point. <laughs> <laughs> he sticks around. But So hold on a second. But I mean, here's my confusion. Wait, you only have one. Okay. Okay, no, no, this is a very small confusion. Surely the ticket spirit is a paper spirit. Well, I wondered if you were going to pick up on that. I thought I'd gloss over that. <laughs> I, You say you haven't got an answer for me. I don't have an answer for you on that because that would have meant that this wasn't all completely made up. <laughs> because you're right. If you have a ticket spirit, which is separate from a paper spirit, yeah. surely you would have a Monopoly money paper that is separate from a ticket spirit and a paper spirit. But, yeah. but they're all related. So I don't know. Um, I guess what they would say... Is, is the Monopoly spirit responsible for those 500s that always disappear when I play with my <laughs> wife? <laughs> the ones that go under the board? Yeah. But I think they would say it depends on intention, right? So a ticket has a very specific set of intention around it. It's practical, it. it's not expressive. That, yeah, but surely that would be the same for a cheque. You know, yeah. a, a bank check has a particular intention. But anyway, let's, let's not get bogged down with actual reality. <laughs> we, yeah, we won't focus on the paper spirits because we'll be here all night. I'm very pleased that this author brought these things around. So we keep talking about how perhaps things are connected. And these peop- these beings have something to say about some of the things that we've been talking about for 130-odd episodes. So just to get us into that bit... Uh, he asks, the interviewer asks the watery one about demons um, because they they sort of keep mentioning them. And he says, demons are beings of descending powers out of the dark regions who are caused, amongst other things, by people's lies. They, they also arise through wrong human thoughts. Just as we're children of the angels, so are demons children or pieces of split off from the fallen angels. So I hope that's clear. Um, Again, we're back to kind of biblical references rather than pagan references, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so demons are created by human lies. Got it, right? Okay. okay. But then he asks the watery one, "How are crop circles created?" That's quite a random question. It is, but that's the most in, that. Well, that was one of the most interesting questions, right? And he says they're created by the wind spirits who enjoy doing it. Anyway, we spirit uh, beings enjoy taking the mickey out of you now and again. And crop circles are part of this, just like strange light phenomena and ball lightning. Many humans claim UFOs and extraterrestrials exist. Is this true? Extraterrestrials exist. But to my knowledge, no beings exist which ride around the cosmos in any kind of technological device, apart from humans who fly to the moon. We ourselves belong to the whole cosmos of the Earth, but beings exist who have nothing to do with the Earth cosmos. But these beings don't fly in spaceships, flying saucers, or such devices through the cosmos. Stop saying cosmos. But when humans claim that they have seen something similar, what's going on here? And the watery one says, well, that's partly perceptions of the etheric, but not of extraterrestrial beings. Please talk normally, for God's sake. Rather, it's often parts of their own etheric body which are perceived. This has to do with the problematic nature. 
of the doppelganger. And get this, the experiences of the Sphinx, their externalised parts of their own etheric body, and through the altered conceptions of nowadays, they no longer look like a Sphinx, but like spaceships. These conceptions arise in the consciousness of the human. So basically, that word salad means it's all in our imagination and there's something to do with the Sphinx. Are you sure this author just wasn't playing paranormal word bingo? Isn't it? It's ridiculous. I had to make sense of that whole Sonic book, and that's well, the most sense I could get out of it. Well, I, I have I have another question. I know, I know it's seemingly random at this point. So if we go back to what you just said, so there are alien beings, according to this... Is this the paper spirit? We're no, on? we're talking to the watery one now. We're on the watery one. The water spirit says there are alien beings, but they've not... Co- this is what I took. They've not come to Earth... What we are seeing, which we think we are alien, that our alien visitations are all to do with the the spirits. So my first question on that is, how do they know there are alien uh, civilizations out there? Do they? Uh, I assume there's no explanation of that. There is no explanation of that. Yeah, I knew my question was going to go nowhere. <laughs> uh, but it does have something to do with the problematic nature of the doppelganger and experiences of the Sphinx. Yeah, I didn't quite get that bit. Don't know what that means no, okay. whatsoever. I think what he's, what he's trying to say in an awkward way is humans have a self-perception problem with their consciousness. And um, bearing in mind there is some... Uh, interpret it. Yeah, there's an yeah, interpretation yeah. issue here, so it might be that the use of doppel- lost in translation, lost in translation, the word doppelganger could be lost in translation. Yes, yeah. but conveniently. <laughs> but why do we keep getting back to? Oh, I do know the word of God, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, and why is it that whenever there's a tricky question like crop circles, they're like, ah, it's just having us having a laugh. Except Miller has said, well. They, don't, they do have a sense of humour. They like it when people drop, drop milk jugs on them. Yeah. But that that idea of, of trickster stuff does obviously play into the whole pan yeah. thing and whatever. But it, I just thought it was very interesting that this author, whether this is a high sort of uh, sort of a high concept book where she's trying to create some characters, has sort of thought, well, there is some relationship here between the weird things that people are seeing and these things or and i i it's only a sneaking suspicion i don't really have anything to go on because this this thing is so you just have to take it at face value but if they really are connected with something i don't think these are earth's nature spirits at all i i think these are hungry ghosts (laughs) bingo You, you know what I mean? I, I, I think these are, if these are really channeled entities, they're making this up because yeah. they're something else. Yeah. And uh, it just makes me say that the phenomena, it comes together and it keeps crashing together. Even something so strange as the, uh, a spirit <laughs> that protects a watermill in Germany I I think it is connected to all the other phenomena we've been talking about. But I will say, whoever, whether this is purely channeled or a real interview, the interview with the stone being 
uh, and giving him such a grumpy persona <laughs> yeah. was complete genius. But I also love there's if you would if you told a child to write down an interview with a stone 99% of the time they'd be grumpy because oh I'm yeah, a stone yeah, I can't yeah, do yeah, anything yeah. and it just feels so childish that uh, and you would do that I kind of felt the same way when you talked about the light spirit because even even the language used with the light spirit was wispy and travelling around fast and you know <laughs> what I mean and the rock's like rrr, rrr, grumpy you know it's like, like something out of never ending story do you know what I mean absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and uh, oh you like the seaweed punch <laughs> oh yes it's very nice it's very nice but doesn't the seaweed live in you it's, it's, it's yes <laughs> but I like it it's, the whole thing the whole thing is extraordinary um, and I want the ticket spirit. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the ticket spirit. Well, I, I had to I had to buy a parking ticket. Um, you created a new spirit. I know, and I felt so guilty because I just stuck it onto my windscreen and then half an hour later I screw it up and put it in the bin. I, I mistakenly printed the wrong document yesterday and had to put it into the paper into recycling. Well, does, does that mean I've created something evil? No, you've created just another piece of something for the paper spirit to okay. be find horrendous. I might Although wor- I might he does worry know the that. word of God. Yeah, wow. Bog- it's reminding me, that whole thing reminds me of some kind of... I can't think of an exact reference, but like some kind of bonkers 60s or 70s psychedelic trippy yes. kids movie or series you know what i mean I'm, i can't i can't find an exact um a, a reference point but it just seems yeah it's somebody it who's could... smoking a bit too much weed or taking a few too magic mushrooms and then just going on this weird journey we well, could be an experimental prog rock, prog rock album and there's really like, yeah 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 here's the track which is the stone being and played yeah. underneath the beat is this interview with the stone being. Yeah, and Rick Wakeman's going... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the pan pipes come in. I can't do pan pipes, but you know what I mean. But if the prog rock album might have as many holes in it as this, because the airy one, after having got cross earlier about, um, oh, there's, you know, the notion of death and stuff, he he signs off one part of the interview... Um, uh, it will always remain so as long as I'm alive. Like, well, <sighs> that is absolutely bonkers, isn't it? It is bonkers. Um, and I missed out another section that I'd um, uh, put in. Like, they talk about guardian angels. Apparently, they're a real thing. Um, learning human languages—that's a thing. The whole, the whole thing is is a weird uh, a weird um Trip. amalgamation of different ideas i think but uh what the thing that i want everyone to take away from it is that there is <laughs> one it's quite funny but also the the chances of being tricked by something do remain even if the nature of that if you pardon the pun the nature of that trickery seems to be completely inoffensive and like gentle and the fact that one guy has written a book about a lovely conversation with pan 
these guys have written a book which seems to be a preachy thing about how rubbish humans are and we need to talk to nature spirits and if i really pull it back in a couple of weeks or next week we'll be talking about trick-or-treating around halloween and you start thinking well whether it's humans tricking us or whether there's spirits that are tricking us we got to watch out for the lies because i do not for one minute believe that this is the you know this is the full uh truth of it and obviously i'm sure you don't but if as i say if something is coming through there it's like being told on a ouija board that you're speaking to your granny and then you go downstairs and your kitchen's on fire you know it's that sort of there's kind of two options aren't there is what you're saying is either the author and yeah maybe just the author maybe there wasn't even a, a a woman who lived in a water mill is you know playing some prank on us or you know some kind of kind of creepy pasta type thing in a weird way or they did kind of something went on but they are not interpreting it in the right way they they've fallen for the a bit like fairy folk they've fallen for the charades you know what i mean and they've got they've left and then realized that they haven't got food in their pockets they've just got leaves do you know what i mean oh yes yes exactly yes yeah, that's kind and of what you're saying the, yeah uh, completely or um you know because the fairies appear you know oh it's all nice it's all very yeah. good come in but no it's not but uh, like we've said on that those things i don't think fairies are a phenomena by themselves isolated from this i don't think this is a phenomena i i isolated from itself either i think either this is someone who's just completely mad or there is there is something but to me it feels like it's associated with some sort of i'm gonna say i feel like it's evil like the the stuff that's coming through here i feel like it's not right well, um, it's making me wonder if you follow the logic of what we've been covering. There's obviously a podcast spirit. That's true. Yeah, and then, and then what level? <laughs> I do hope you... he gives us a review. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, jeez, I feel like I've. I feel like I. <laughs> I feel like I'm. I'm on the way back from. Woodstock, the original Woodstock, and I'm in the car going, "What the hell was that?" Well, the, the line, the uh, I did highlight the most incomprehensible line, and I'll leave you with that from this book. This is a nature with, sorry, this is an interview with the High One, who apparently knows more about this than anything, and um, he's just being questioned about his general like existence and what he does. And my favourite line, and this is not taken out of any context, this is in reply to a, um, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? He says, the healing spirit is that which as fruit sheathes the past, present and future. This sheath is like a kind of luminous egg. Christ can only reveal the heavenly Jerusalem when this sheath is fully created. In terms of the apocalypse, it is the bride. That's the sound of me shutting my computer. <laughs> Thank you.
you the quantum mechanics.